Well, welcome to the third episode now. Look at us go. Of, uh... It's time for the... Wait, what's the, what's the name <laughs> of the show? It's almost the weekend. Oh, oh my no. god. I've already ruined it. My no. name's Joe. Embrace the chaos, I'm Daz. Uh, <laughs> and, and look, I feel like we should kick things off. Last episode, we talked about our elevator pitch. And yes. I've got... I've got the ultimate technique to come up with something on the air. You know, this is this is a heralded technique like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, phase one of product design. This is what they do. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you, man. I'm nervous, but let's go. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to say one word and you're going to say the next word and we're just going to mm-hmm. do that until the pitch is done. Mm. Welcome right. to the whole episode that will be this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I'll 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 kick things off. Yep. This um banana uh, is <laughs> pretty good and this oh um ice cube isn't actually a real podcast (laughs) (laughs) there you have it folks that's our elevator pitch uh i'll tune in for future episodes (laughs) so i watched um there's this uh tiktok account that i started following recently and it's just these two dudes that i don't don't know if they pre-write the episodes or what Mm -hmm. um but there was one recently where they did that and um they were like uh you know it's gonna be funny we'll do like a little you know you know you say one word i say the next word thing and it started off really dumb and then they were like, oh, we'll try, we'll try again, we'll try again. And they tried again, and they, like, told this very sad story <laughs> about, <laughs> about, like, someone losing love and, like, finding themselves, but not really, you know? Like, it was... It was oh, that's awesome. It was very good. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So, apart from listening to melancholic improv, what, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, um, well, um, let's see. I caught up with our friend Dom last night, which was pretty cool. Oh, great. Yeah, in, I went in, to... In person? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. sick. I um I worked in the city last night, so I went to uh, Thornbury afterwards and had some Umbertos, which oh, was a treat. Oh, my God. Yeah. God, I uh-huh. missed that place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I missed it too. It was nice. It's, it was popping off, man. They were real busy. Yeah. Yeah. That um That new locale they've got there just seems to be packed all the time at least it was yeah. you know when it opened i haven't been there since yeah. then yeah yeah they um they had it all open except for the upstairs um and they were like yeah we would like to have the upstairs open but just with like the coroni and everything it's hard because they have like staff that get you know um furloughed or whatever so yeah yeah but yeah, um, yeah, so that was cool. And then we finished dinner at like 8.30, 8.45, and then I had to journey home, and I arrived home at 11.30. <laughs> what the hell? What what happened? Well, nothing really. Like, I waited, you know, 15 minutes for a tram, and then I waited about 20 minutes for a train, and then I drove home. Oh, my God. And all the rest of the time was just time spent getting into the city and then getting back out to west. Right, so, right, I yeah. see. yeah. So between waiting a little bit longer than I should have for a couple of segments of the journey, it really, um, really was just the amount of time, like the distance that I travelled. <laughs> yeah, that's so, uh, yeah. that's quite the voyage. Yeah, yeah, it was very full on. 
Um, and we went to see, uh, oh, not Dom and I, but um, after work, uh, my work pals and I went to see the new office that we're most likely going to be renting. Oh, yeah. Where's and, that? Uh, it's just around the corner. It's in the city. Um, still near Elizabeth Street. What is it? I think it's, it's not Collins. I think it's on Little Collins. Oh, cool. Might even be. Yeah, I think it's Little Collins. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It's much bigger and, um, yeah, it's got a, it's on like the sixth floor and on the seventh floor, there's like a rooftop bar. Oh so my God. That's yeah. ideal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So we went to have some beers at the rooftop bar afterwards. It was very, very chill. Hell yeah. Yeah. How about you, man? I feel like I just gave you the life story then. Of, I, I'm, I'm normally like, oh yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are all exciting things. Umberto's oh. is like the best pastor in Melbourne. New mm-hmm. office lo- location is going to have a rooftop bar. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been good. Footy season started. So like, you know, that's that's something that I can take part in. You know, I can watch it on TV. I can't go to the stadium, which is a bit sad, but like it's still really good to at least feel like I'm a part of something despite being bedridden mm-hmm. um so that's that's really exciting um and yeah other than that not much playing playing elden ring um, hell yeah you know i'm i'm at the last boss and it's uh it's a really good fight it's just like you know i uh i get to eat my words now because the the last boss and as in the last boss i fought and the boss i'm fighting now are just are just awesome They've got yep. a lot of mechanics that are like original to like, you know, jumping and that kind of thing for Elden mm. Ring. Wow. And it's really weird that they didn't make more use of these mechanics for other boss fights, to be honest. Um, yeah, right. But wow. even even so, it's just, it's awesome. Like, yeah, I, I feel like we should have like an Elden Ring spoiler cast or something and just... You know, once once you've finished it, yeah, we, we can just talk through everything because I feel like they they did a lot right, and I I feel like they they missed the beat on on a lot of things. Yeah, right. Um, Interesting. But yeah, this this last boss is is super fun, and I'm just getting reamed at the moment, so that's <sighs> uh, that's a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I I haven't had a chance really to play any games this week. Um, I've just been either doing things after work or, you know, getting home from work and doing freelance. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just been, like, no time. So hopefully today, after I'm done with chores and various things, oh, yeah, it's going to be late by the time I get to play Elden Ring tonight. But <laughs> I, will, I will get to it. I'm excited to get back in. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, uh... After after last week's podcast, we wanted we wanted to talk about nostalgia this time around, mm, mm-hmm. um, which which kind of came up, um, you know, last week talking about interactive music and and that kind of thing, um, and like for me this this just brought like a lot of ideas into my head straight away, but yeah. but one of the prompts you've got here that I love is how nostalgia influences the sort of games that we see made today and yeah and, and that that for me is a huge one and just like all these ips come to mind like final fantasy dude that that entire series is built on like 
a combat system that <laughs> has been the same since Final Fantasy 1. You know what I'm saying? Like they've they've changed it recently to be more like actiony and like real timey, but that yeah. like turn-based combat was a Final Fantasy signature for like I don't know, 2 decades, 15 years, like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting thing you bring up. How this this might be a little banal or whatever, but what do you define as nostalgia? Because I reckon it's a bit of a, a loose term that kind of gets bandied around a little bit. But what do you think? What do you think nostalgia is? Uh, I think nostalgia for me is like something from the past that inspires a sense of familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one one of the biggest things for me when it comes to nostalgia in video games is like the music right like you you like i played banjo kazooie last year which amazingly holds up and like you know it was a it was a really cool experience and like a fun game but like all the music was super nostalgic for me like it just brought me back to being a kid and like sitting cross-legged on the living room kind of thing so i i i I think for me it's about like you know, a, a specific part of the video game kind of bringing you back to when you last played it, I guess. Yeah. H- how, yeah. Would, how would you define it? I I would agree. I would add that there is something pleasant to that memory. Yeah, um, okay. I think nostalgia yeah. works mostly around the fact that it is, that, that you remember it fondly. I think that's kind of like the thing that just like, yeah, it's it's from the past and um, it has that sort of like replication in the future part, but it's also kind of needs to be a fond recollection of the thing that you're nostalgic about. Like, I don't know if you could be, can you be nostalgic about a bad thing? Um, Maybe. Yeah, it's, I think it <laughs> like, it blurs the line, right? Like, you know, if you reminisce about a really fucked up time, I, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. I don't know. I don't know. That's yeah. a great question. That's, that's way too philosophical for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm steering us in a weird direction with this, like, you know, like, let's define it first. And then in doing so, we've now just like completely derailed the topic and all the fun stuff we wanted to talk about now it's like <laughs> no no i think what about bad nostalgia <laughs> yeah no i think i think we're all over it i think it is something yep. that's remembered fondly and like evokes yep. this ascent uh, this sense of familiarity yep. um but there, you know there there probably can be bad nostalgia maybe it's just like processed in in a different way though you know like when when i can walk again maybe i'll have you know i'll remember right now when i when i can't really walk that much and i'll i'll be like oh man i remember that time and like i'm really glad i can walk now but you know i'm nostalgic for all that time i had to read books and watch movies you know yep. so like yeah maybe yep. that that's kind of the only way i can i can twist it to turn <laughs> like bad nostalgia into uh, into being a thing yeah interesting that is very profound um uh, and i mean it's 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 in such a way that i struggle to um resonate with it you know what i mean like i'm 
I, I hear you and I understand you, but it's like, man. <laughs> um, oh. So I, I've Googled nostalgia. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, we've got some live research. We've got, okay, nostalgia. Um, I'm just going to turn on my audio and desktop audio just so that you can get this in the recording, okay? Because I reckon it might be a fun thing to have. Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. All right. Nostalgia. Okay. Okay. You probably didn't hear that, but you'll hear it in the recording. I've turned off the audio now. <laughs> okay, um, great. Yeah. It was, you know how you can press the little button and it's like, it gets, it gets Google to say the word for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've gone and done that. Um, okay. Nostalgia. So the, the, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Nostalgia. <laughs> um, a sentimental longing or wistful affection for a period in the past. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. A wistful affection for a period of the past. Cause there's yeah. that like childlike sense of like mm-hmm. wonder that that yes. like comes back to you yeah that's great that's great in the past i think that past part is important and also there's another little window over here saying nostalgia is the sentimentality for the past sentimentality i think is another good word that was sort of mentioned in the first definition and then mm. it says typically for a period or place with happy personal associations mm, um, so that okay. brings out my little so so in that case, the the framing is a lot more personal. So like yeah. when when you look at the prompt, like how nostalgia influences the sorts of games we see made today, like that's that's a bit harder to answer than mm-hmm. than I originally thought because I guess it's like personal to the creators. Of, of the game so i i guess like a pretty good example would be ukulele you know yeah that that yeah. banjo team got together and basically recreated banjo as a new ip yeah that by all accounts was not as good <laughs> i've heard yeah yeah apparently it's not super great yeah um so i i think i think you can have both personal nostalgia and like generational nostalgia, right? Like mm. there will be um, a group of people, basically, basically everyone cognizant on earth, I think actually <laughs> during the time <laughs> of the pandemic, who is nostalgic for the time before the pandemic. Mm. Like they will have fond memories of, of life before. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so they will be like, remember when, you know, like people always refer, are already referring it to as the before times, which is such a weird, oh you know, God. like, Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to go into like having a coronavirus podcast, but I think nostalgia, there is something like that I wanted to just like, you know, bring in there about that. Like people are going to be nostalgic for just a whole style of life before a, a global event, you know? Mm, yeah, totally. And like going back to your, you know, your bad nostalgia concept mm-hmm. in in five, in 10 years, like are people going to be, nostalgic in in one way or another about lockdowns yeah like you know it's it's not something we're going to have an answer for right now but yeah that is that is an interesting thought yeah yeah um anyway and then so i think um uh even just a whole genre as well is kind of like a nostalgic thing like you see people making pixel art games these days yeah um, yeah she's like art style as well as just like you know a fundamental um kind of uh, what would you call it constraint to a, a game that if you know it kind of you see these like games popping up these days that are like three 3d pixel art games which you know i don't know how to feel about that either because it's like kind of nostalgia but kind of not i don't know it's it's just uh yeah it's just weird 
3D pixel art game. I can't think of a 3D pixel art game. Um, so there's been, um, oh crap. I, I was watching a trailer for a, a game that's coming out soon. I, I can't remember what it's called. Um, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, it's basically like, um, it's as if the, the sprites are in a 3D world and that are moving around, you know, interacting with, uh, what's, what's the game? Um, it's called bravely default do they do 3d pixel art oh you sort of yeah move around like a semi 3d oh yeah and like octopath traveler yeah okay yeah uh, yeah all right yep 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 i can see it so the yeah so they, they've still got that like 2d combat kind of thing yeah. going on but yeah when you're exploring the world that's that's totally on a on a 3d plane yeah, but the you know the character is still a flat image, or well, it's like kind of like Paper Mario. Even it's like this character oh, is yeah. for all intents and purposes, it's like a flat. <laughs> like you can't when you, if you were to look at them on the side, you wouldn't see anything, but if you look at them on the front, you see the character. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's an interesting take because like, um, I saw this I saw this image that contrasted like those old school sprites on old TVs versus new TVs. Oh yeah. And yeah. and they look a lot less detailed on on new TVs. Yeah. Um because like the old TVs uh, I'm I'm not really sure <laughs> how the technology works to be honest, but like it it had all these like points and I think yeah. like the developers made use of the the inferior technology well, it's inferior now to like create more detail in a picture. And I think, I think that's pretty amazing. And like, that's, I guess, some form of nostalgia when people are now making modern sprites that they're like, you know, they can't actually do it in the same, same way. It's not going to look as good. So they need to like update it for modern technology. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about nostalgia, there's people who actively try and seek out those old televisions. Like, there's a specific type of television that's like a flat screen, but still a um, rear projection one that mm. has like a really specific high refresh rate. And there's all sorts of like, there's like, you know, a specific brand. I was watching someone talk about it the other day. And, um, you know, they were showing it on YouTube, which really it sort of kills the whole purpose of it as well, because you really need to be in the same space as the television to truly appreciate the yeah <laughs> the thing you know that's and that's such an interesting little thread on nostalgia it's like um something about the original is um what is so valuable to the part of the nostalgia you know there's like it's it's being able to recreate that memory that is you know it's it's almost like um you know, when you like record some audio and then you record that audio again and then you record it again and again and mm -hmm. you get like, you know, lossless layers or lossy, lossy layers mm -hmm. of like, you know, you just get crunched down depending on what microphone you're using, how yeah. you're encoding the audio and all that sort of stuff. It's same, yeah. same with images. It's kind of the same with memories, you know, like you've got this like memory when it was encoded in your brain of, you know, like playing Mario 64 on the ground of your parents living room or whatever right mm. like you've got that you've got that memory somewhere i have my own you know maybe we should talk about our memes at some stage but i've got the memory of seeing mario 64 for the first time at my um uncle's place and him like running around the field like in front of the castle and i think that's the memory and i remember just thinking like man this is the most impressive video game 
I've ever seen. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is so cool. I want to play this. I want to play this right now. Get out of my way. I want to play this game. Um, <laughs> oh, that's such and, a great feeling when, yeah. when you see a game like that and you're just like, oh, man, get this into my hands. That looks like yeah. so much fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, Nintendo really plays on nostalgia. It's like one of their core tenets of, like, how they operate and, and, and like, why they're so successful. Mm. Um but yeah, so there's like this, you know, the encoding of the memory of me seeing seeing that and thinking that and then, you know, playing the game as a, as a child and then probably playing it again as a young adult and then playing it again somewhere in, in my late 20s and, and now me looking at footage or whatever of of uh, Mario or like doing a Mario speedrun or something like that. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of morphed into this like um, very lossy <laughs> version where I'm no longer necessarily enjoying the game for the original reasons that I was like, you know, that I fell in love with the game, like the way that it looks and everything like that. Yeah. Now it's more just like, there's some, there's some like warmth. It's like you're sitting by the fire and the fire's really gone low and there's like some warmth still there for you to just like, right. sort of, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I think that that's key to like yeah. finding nostalgia in video games, right? Like, for, for me, I've got, like, a similar memory, memory with Final Fantasy X. And, like, if I were to play that game again, it would not be for those original reasons. Like, that game is an outdated train wreck. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, the yeah. voice acting is deplorable. It's just... <laughs> is that the one with Sora? Uh, no. Oh, no. What am I thinking of? The one with the ball? The ball game? Blitzball? Oh, Blitzball. Yeah, that's that's Final Fantasy X. Okay. It's got yeah. Blitzball and it's got that... that infamous laughing scene oh my god yeah and just like oh there's just heaps of shit like that in that game and that game is massive um Mm. (laughs) like it's you know it's just that classic jrpg 100 hours you know like all the games of that time just had to be that long if they were um in that genre um and like if, if I were to go back and play that now, man, I would not be playing it for, like, the gameplay or the story or the script or the graphics or any <laughs> any of the things that I initially got out of that game. Like, mm. I'd, be, I'd be going and, and playing it so that I could get in touch with that whimsy again, you know, that, mm-hmm. that charcoal warmth <laughs> that you're talking about. The charcoal warmth. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. That's a great term for it. <laughs> <laughs> and like there there are games that um you know like Mario 64 is such a good example of, of a game you can um go back and play because like mm-hmm. I, I gotta be honest I don't really have any desire to go back and play Final Fantasy 10 despite mm-hmm. its importance in in my earlier years and like you you go even further to the other side of the spectrum with the game like GoldenEye 64, right? Like the nostalgia mm. for me is huge for that game, but that game is just almost unplayable. Like yeah. it's very, very bad. Yeah. The charcoal warmth is gone almost. <laughs> it's because of just the form factor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the the way you aim, like it's just it's just too outdated to be able to enjoy despite the charcoal warmth that you're searching for yeah yeah um yeah i think there's certain games that have come along even recently that i feel like are going to be nostalgic 
going forwards. Like I think Death Stranding, I'll probably play that again in like 10, 15 years and be like, Ooh, hell yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting call because, yeah. yeah, there are definitely, you know, these games that stick out like Death Stranding and like Mario Kart on the Wii. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and it's just like, uh, for me, like I don't think these games would ever kind of make a top 10 list for me, but they'd always be an honorable mention, you know, like if, if I got, if I got the idea to play one of those games in my head, I'd be like, Oh yeah, no, I could, I could get into that. Yeah. How did you play, um, Banjo Kazooie when you replayed it? Was it just on like an emulator or something? Uh, no. So like, um, I've got an X bone and there's a rareware collection um and and there was this sale and i got it for like four bucks and it's it's got you know banjo and conkers and and all all those games on there um battle toads like it's got like 20 or 30 games um that's sick and yeah it was it was real nice to go to go back and and play banjo um and i was just amazed at, at how well it holds up like the controls feel real good Oh man, the adaptive music in that game, you know, mm. like the the overworld theme is like a take on the teddy bears go to picnic or wh- whatever that oh yeah that yeah. that old tune is, and yeah. like you know it's playing with different instruments like you got the xylophone and then you go underwater and it's like a marimba and you know it's <laughs> it it was real cool and it it did a lot of things that I was like man no wonder I was having such a blast as a kid. Like this game is still good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back and play it again. I remember attempting to play it again a couple times just on emulator, but there's something about having like, you know, an official report or whatever, you know, like Nintendo re-releasing a game on their online service. That is a little bit more official feeling than, than the old emulator version. Yeah. Well, I think, I think emulation is so important for like maintaining the history of video games, you know, because like companies like go out of business and so they're not going to be remastering anything they, they created 30 years ago, but like having just that kind of complete library of video games accessible for free and sometimes illegally on the internet, I think is, is really important. Totally. That's a whole other topic as well. Um, <laughs> the history and preservation of video games. Mm. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Because the third guest in our podcast, my keyboard um, <laughs> has appeared. And the fourth guest is my very icy cup of water that likes to clink around. Um, yeah, that, that, that is a, maybe not a whole topic, but something that's worth going into at some stage. But yeah, that, maybe, you know, maybe it also... People, I, I know people have like built these um, computers uh, that are specifically designed to be used to like go back and play every old game ever made oh you know, like really they've got like uh yeah they've got like proper emulators set up for all of the old games like all of the roms of all of the games like they spend years of their life like building these machines um that aren't used for anything other than playing old games and like they'll have like an arcade um you know stick and the buttons attached to you know either built into it like with some like 
way that they built the machine. Like there's like in the wood in the MDF, they're like building in mm-hmm. a keyboard and mouse in there and like a joystick and like, you know, for fighting games, there'll be like another thing that, the, that you pull out. Like it's really, people go really full on like hobbyist on this thing. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, there's some people out there that are just doing it naturally because they're interested in it. But mm. I think there really needs to be, you know, like a museum style effort to preserve um, a lot of this stuff that is just going to get lost to server death. Um, yeah. There's like heaps of games out there these days that are like online only or whatever. And they're being stored on servers or on devs hard drives, you know, like there's mm. kind of only two places you can get them. And, you know, when Amazon web servers go down, which may be at the heat death of the universe, I don't know, it (laughs) would still be nice. (laughs) It would still be nice to be able to play or for the aliens who, you know, run through our dust wreckage to be able to have some way to recover and play these games. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the the only, like, the last remnants of human civilization is E.T. for the NES. (laughs) Yes, yeah. It's the only thing that survived because it was under, you know, a thousand different copies of E.T. and it's all made out of, like, hard silicon. It takes thousands of years to decompose. Uh, the irony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a... Oh, man. This, I, I have a friend, Laura. Shout out to Laura, who we always end up talking about shit like this. It's, like, uh, end-of-the-world-style stuff and aliens. And, <laughs> and like, we, we go deep on, like, but what if, you know, the aliens, um, like they have, they're, they're so beyond our comprehension of like what a human life looks like and how it's, it's sort of like the analogy that I like to use is like teaching an ant how to use Instagram, you know, like there's no <laughs> point in even like considering the fact that they may find our planet because they, you know, they're, they're like they're the Instagram in the example of that, of that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's great stuff to talk through because I think when you're talking about aliens or God, gods or any, anything like otherworldly or, or, you know, beyond celestial, it's just like the creativity kind of has no ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's... good. You just let your mind just like fucking explode on it, man. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. And like, you know, there was a little bit of um that kind of creative whimsy in the artful escape for me you know yeah, like cool. m- meeting the the omnipotent aliens that were also like super chill <laughs> like, yeah you know to, uh, otherworldly designs like yeah i'm really really into all that kind of stuff yeah yeah um i can't remember her name but she's like i met god once he was playing pinball yeah that style <laughs> yeah. Thing. yeah yeah exactly um, I, I recently read um, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and, and Terry Pratchett. Hell yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's like nearly, it's, it's over 30 years old now. Um, and it just tells the story of the birth of the Antichrist. And, you oh, know, wow. and, 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 you know, this impending battle between heaven and hell. And it's, it's at the forefront of these um, two characters it's like a demon and an angel and mm-hmm. like it's just so funny because they talk ab- about you know the end of the world and and like all these kind of cataclysmic um <laughs> parts of history uh, you know just super nonchalant like they're just shooting the shit and it's just like that that kind of humor like you know god playing pinball like that yeah that's where it's at (laughs) yeah 
yeah i agree i agree <laughs> it's very humbling um yeah um so anyway nostalgia uh <laughs> the uh, something that i did also want to bring up and this is a bit of a hard turn but um we're going back to my press x to pontificate about <laughs> the state of video games and and how they're built and financial financially like that kind of side of things um mm. do you think nostalgia has like there's, there's obviously money to be made in in nostalgia right oh bro yeah i think i think i know where you're going with this um i'm excited but go on <laughs> so i mean um like i was saying before with like nintendo right like mario as a character is like kind of almost like a fundamentally nostalgic um relic right like the mm -hmm. only reason that um i think on well, maybe not the only reason but a huge part of the reason that we still see mario games getting built today or even mario shoved into other games like mario and sonic at the, the olympics or mm, mm. whatever it is mario movies getting made still like oh my god is because there's some part of a whole heap of people's collective past that they have as uh mario as like a nostalgic part of their life right like right, they remember right. playing super mario 2 or 3 or whatever at home yeah, I mean, like Mario is a good example, but but yeah. let's talk about one of the most lucrative IPs in history that has everyone in nostalgia shackles, which is Pokemon. Pokemon? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I knew you were going there. Oh my god! Like people have Stockholm syndrome with that game. It's been exactly the same for like twenty five years. Although yeah. there has been that new game, Ar Arceus, Arceus, or, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but apart from that game, it's been exactly the same. It's just been making billions and billions of dollars for, for fucking ages. Yeah. And, and it's just the same shit every single yeah. time. And yeah. like, you know, I was, I was, I was into it. Like I would, I would buy the new generation of Pokemon and yeah. like up until a couple of years ago when like Sword and Shield came out yeah, and I bought like one of those and I finished it in a week and I was like, this has not impacted my life in any way. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Yeah. The, this game has no opinions. I <laughs> has nothing I, to say. It, it has nothing to say. I'm supporting a company that is, is just like abusing it's it's faithful customers because they yeah. love this franchise and they love the cute little dudes and <laughs> they don't give a shit they're just like you know we 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 make like whatever it is i mean i'm sure it's obscene like a billion dollars in profits every year probably more and you know we've got we've got our team of 20 people making this <laughs> an, annual game yeah and it's just like that's that's not good enough you know i i feel like no. i just got to this point i'm like man, I'm just not buying Pokemon games anymore until they produce something that makes me want to play again. And that isn't yep. just, you know, like, it's like manipulating me because they know, they know yeah. I had like a Pikachu following me around in yellow or something. And yeah. they know how Put sweet the, game. the Danishes were when I was eight years old and the sunshine <laughs> and like... You know, the smell playing... of your grandmother's house. Oh, dude, exactly. They know that <laughs> yeah. shit, and they're manipulating me. It's like an abusive relationship, but with a a giant conglomerate. 
And, yeah. <laughs> and like when I when I played Pokemon Sword, I like, you know, my head like snapped out of the bubble and I was like, oh my god, you know, it was like being <laughs> ripped out from the plugs of the Matrix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Neo just like gasping for air. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I that's a really good point. Yeah, the um the whole Pokemon franchise is I think it is the most successful media franchise of all time right um it's above it's above everything it's above harry potter it's above star wars you know like it's just absurd the reach and the um the money that this company has or this property has made for this company i it's kind of a weird black box right like you say like that this that this game is made by like 20 people and it seems that way you know like there's not even with Arceus, it was like an open world, that, a bit of a remix on it. But And this is not to be cruel to the developers or anything like that, but that game looked like garbage. Like visually, there was... It's last. It's not even last generation. It's like four generations ago. Like it's, it's, the, it's The tiling textures and the, the weird pop-in and like the weird AI and like four animations per Pokemon. And it's like... So many companies have, <laughs> have done... <laughs> Some have done better on, on on this without with like not even a tenth of the budget this game has available to it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But it's it's funny, right? Because like you know, if if we sit here and talk about the things we like in video games, I reckon graphics would rank really, really low for both of us. Like art style would be high, but like mm. graphics, like it it just doesn't really matter that much depending on like what else is going on with the core gameplay. But you, you see that, that Arceus game for like five seconds and you're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> that game, that looks bad. And the like, f- forget the error. Like if, if it was 10 years ago, it looks bad. If it was 15 years ago, like it just doesn't, it, it's weird. It's like this yeah. combination of both bad graphics and an uninspired art style. Totally. Yeah, it's just, it's just, maybe that's part of it as well, right? It's the most successful franchise and it's, as a result, there's no way for it to, oh, fuck that. There is a way for it to be successful. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just like, it's so disappointing because you see like, you know, beautiful games with incredible art style and art direction and, and like real talent like real people who really care about something that, that that's getting made, not just the fact that it's going to be played by people who are nostalgic for it, but making mm. something that, that they care deeply about. Yeah. And then you see, and then you hold that up against the newest Pokemon game. And it's like, sure. People enjoyed the newest Pokemon game. Like I have no problem with people that enjoy the franchise. That's fine. Go enjoy the franchise. Okay. I'm not saying don't enjoy the franchise. <laughs> I'm just saying this game and this whole franchise is, um, is is bereft like i've said it's got, it's got nothing to say there's mm. nothing there really yeah 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 like your time is probably better spent but you know spend your time however you want it's probably better spent going outside touch that grass baby <laughs> yeah but it's like it's one of those things where I, I don't know if saying video game companies is right but like video game publishers and marketing teams understand that engaging children is where the money is yeah right so it's like for us we can look back through the history of pokemon and just be like man nothing has changed this is not good enough like 
you know, we, we understand like the, you know, the profits of the company and like, we have this holistic picture of, of, <laughs> you know, the, the lack of effort that they're yeah. putting into these video yeah. games. Whereas like the new kid on the block, who's eight years old and like he gets a switch and, and, you know, Pokemon, whatever they're up to um, <laughs> from grandma, like, yeah man, that, that kid is like totally captivated and, and yeah. he, he doesn't know there were 40 games before that, that l- looked exactly the same and played exactly the same, but like, he, he doesn't care, you know, yeah. they're, like they're, they're just, they're getting their tentacles in early and there's been no sign from consumers that this isn't working. Yeah. E- everyone just buys Pokemon games, new generations and like, even if everyone our age or from our generation decided to like boycott Pokemon, like I wonder what kind of impact would that have? Would it have mm. a perceptible impact at all? Or... No, at this point it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. The, the, it's like, like, yeah, the, there's the... no, there's no, you could, everyone could stop playing Pokemon games tomorrow and you know, it wouldn't do anything. They'd still release <laughs> another game. That's the exact same. Yeah. Like, and then if no one bought that, it wouldn't matter. They would just do the same thing again next year. Like, there's no, I don't, I, I really think at this point, it's, it's just on autopilot. Like, it's, it's just getting the same games, just literally going through the intestine and getting shit out at the, at the bottom onto the onto the shelves every year. <laughs> yeah. There's there's, no, there's nothing there. Yeah. And, and like, this is uh, maybe this is a bad opinion. Like, I had this a little while ago. I tweeted about it. I think I deleted the tweet. But it was it was like at the peak of um, when Among Us was really popular. Do you remember that game? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I never played it, but I yeah. I saw it. It it yeah. looked kind of fun, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was it was cool, right? Like it, it had this whole like um, really simplistic, like head back, um, you know, who done it thing right where like someone on the ship would be the imposter or someone's on the ship would be the imposter and then you have to yeah. like find out who and it was like a social game yeah well like we when... we we played that game at parties right yeah. like as as werewolf that's and right it was just like werewolf with a video game skin pretty much pretty much um but it had this huge cultural cultural impact like mm. people you know and, and maybe this is this is like the, the counter argument to what I'm about to say, right? Is like the recognition of the main character in Among Us is so ubiquitous and it's like, you mm. see it everywhere. It's almost like, um, uh, it's like when people start seeing the, like Jesus Christ in a loaf of bread or whatever, you know, or like Mary <laughs> Magdalene, it's that thing. It's like, right. oh, this, um, this lima bean kind of looks like the leader, you know, it's like that. <laughs> right. So like, it's part of this, like, video game iconography now yeah yeah and but at the time when it was really successful i was you know on my little little platform saying like it's great that this game is seeing such success and it's like a small team or whatever and mm. you know they're doing really good things and they i can tell that they really care about the game and that, that, that they're going to make progress with it but i wish it looked better like i wish there was some artistic vision happening here it doesn't have to be oh, really know, yeah, it doesn't have to be like, you know, like hyper real, three D, violent, whatever, anything like that. It just needs to have some design, you know, like some some artist that like oh no, that's that's cruel. It's some 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 direction, some some true art direction, right? Like really, what we're looking at here 
could be like, it's like scribblish, you know, there's nothing really going on there. It's, it's so flat. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think like the counter argument is what I just made is that it's so recognizable and like, yeah, uh, like I, I, I definitely, simplicity. yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but I gotta say, I disagree. Like I, I think, yeah. I think what makes that game attractive is has nothing to do with with the yes, art style the or, looks, or the yes. way it looks um and and it's a similar thing with with slay the spire like yeah I, that game looks like garbage <laughs> <laughs> look i think i think the designs are really fun but i think that the art style um. leaves leaves <laughs> a, a lot a lot to be desired um yeah. but that doesn't detract from it at all like i've got no. i've got over 200 hours in that game it's an amazing yeah. game and yes. like it's 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 art style is enough in that you know i know where the outline of the character is and i know you, you know like things are easy for me to understand visually and i think mm. in a game like slay the spire a game like among us that's that's all I'm really asking for, you know. Yeah. And and it's it it it's still a really fun experience despite, um, you know, the the lack of proficiency in those areas. Um, but that's not to say like those games couldn't be improved by right by like getting uh you know better direction around those type of things. You you know, you take a game that has really good direction like Hades. And you're like, man, like, I, I can't imagine that game with bad art direction because it's super giant. But like, if, if you could imagine for a second that it did have b- bad art direction, like, I don't think it would make it any less fun. True. But yes. just, you know, since it does have just incredible art direction, that it's one of my favorite games of all time, you know, like yeah. that kind of attitude that you talk about how like, um, people really care about the game for me like when a team you know among us was like i'm assuming that's like a new studio or a new team or something and they've just like had a hit on their hands and that's fantastic but supergiant have been around for a while and like you know for the longest time i feel like art direction has been a real priority for them and the mechanics and the gameplay like that almost feels like it was a step behind the art direction in those games yeah. like like you take pyre the game before yeah. hades and like a hundred percent art direction was way more important than like the gameplay yeah. like the story was way more important and it's just like hades reached this zenith where everything came together just to live it to deliver this complete experience and like i can understand you not liking the game but just for me objectively it's like man this you know they've put a lot of effort into just about every aspect of the game that there is yeah yeah i agree yeah i i think you made a lot of great points there um i it's it's almost like a little bit of a cranky old man thing you know like it's (laughs) like i wish i wish pokemon um due to the virtue of the fact that it's so widely consumed and consumed by young folk, I wish that it had some more artistic integrity so that as they're in, as you know, these vast 
swaths of people uh, consuming it and enjoying it and, you know, and having it as part of their nostalgic experience so that they are able to both enjoy it for longer, right? Like if you're able mm. to like come back and play it again and it kind of still like holds up, you know, with like Banjo-Kazooie. Mm, yeah. Um, and also so that it's just, it's like good soup, you know? It's like, fuck, <laughs> like um, that's a bad example, but it's like, um, <laughs> it's like, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to find like a food analogy here, you know? Like pizza is fine it's not much to look at but it's like it's really good right like you can eat a hearty pizza and that shit that shit tastes good it's cheap <laughs> it's replicatable most places can do a good pizza right it's fine uh-huh, uh-huh. um and that's like your uh, pokemon and among us and whatever right like that's that's pizza is those games but then you've Bro, got, like, you're starting a war with pizza lovers there are a lot of yeah, pizza lovers out here i love pizza as well <laughs> don't get me wrong but it's trash food all right it goes in the bin you eat it it's good um <laughs> you eat it out of the bin that's not, that's pokemon that's literally pokemon you eat pokemon out of the bin that's <laughs> you still there oh God, yeah, no, okay I'm, you're I'm just losing you. it okay. <laughs> but then you've got like you know um hades right like hades is kind of like the umbertos or like a, a higher quality restaurant that's like <laughs> the umbertos of video games yeah <laughs> You with me? <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I, I completely, I completely agree, and it's the, yeah. it's the same kind of analogy. Um, Ego Raptor all those years ago made um, with his first sequelitis episode on Castlevania, right? Yeah. Like he, he, he talked through the mechanics of Castlevania and how, like, the implementation of certain things like jumping and like slapping things with your whip have this delay and there's this theme of patience and taking your time and like Mm -hmm. really understanding what you're doing. Whereas in the later um, entries in the franchise, it was just all about leveling up 40 million times and doing all these things and like just rushing through everything. And his analogy was like, you know, going to a fine dining meal and like, capping it off with a beautiful dessert which was that first castlevania versus yep. just like sitting there and eating like a jumbo packet of chips and smashing it down yeah yeah exactly that's the same thing right like <laughs> right. there's this like it it stands up right like there's um there's a reason that people like pizza or there's a reason that they like smashing down like pop tarts and coke like it's it's good right there's nothing there's nothing bad about it but it's just i wish i, I wish that because this is so successful that it had it had that it had at least some elements of integrity behind its art direction right like imagine how great it would be to be like a game like pokemon and i, I feel like i'm sort of sledging the artists here a little bit like that the designs are, there's some still really great designs right it's just that Ar- arceus looks like it was like scraped off the bottom of you know the toilet floor um, <laughs> yeah it's yeah if, but imagine if it wasn't you know like what if what if arceus actually had a like a color palette Right, (laughs) (laughs) other than green and brown. Yeah, like if if someone for you know four months of their life like thought, okay, we're gonna really set this first area's color palette up and like (laughs) have it work for four months of their life. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not asking much out of Nintendo's (laughs) hip pocket here, right? Like I feel like that's someone's salary four months. That's not that much. They can afford four months. They can pay a colorist. Yeah. This is um, um this is we hate Pokemon the podcast. 
<laughs> do you like Pokemon? We hate you. Did you work on Pokemon? We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I sympathize big time with the artists and animators and programmers that work on Pokemon games. Um, there's um there's a bit of like a I don't know like a, a a brothers in battle feeling that you get because you know that um that they have crazy turnarounds and that they probably have an awful budget and that they're hiring a lot of juniors because their turnaround's terrible. You know, like, yeah. I'm sure there's people at these companies that genuinely are trying their best to make a good Pokemon game every time. It's just not, it's just not possible sometimes. Like, it's, it's yeah. And like, I, world is. I get that the th like overarching theme you're going for is integrity. And like, again, that's like a, a huge issue and topic in itself within uh, the corporate world, you know, because, mm. you know, Pokemon is a brand fronted by a company at the end of the day. And like asking for integrity from companies is like, <laughs> you know, it feels basic and it's a real shame that, you know, that isn't kind of the default position of a lot of companies, but it's just yeah. like the sad world we live in to be honest, like I, I don't, I don't see it anytime soon where, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know what they're called, the, the company that creates Pokemon, but I, I, I can't see a future where, you know, they pull back a release and they're like, you know what, we're not going to make a Pokemon game this year. We're, we're going to double down on what a Pokemon game should be and and what it might look like in the future you know i yep. just i can't see that happening because they're going no. to lose so much revenue by not publishing a pokemon game that year um yeah so it's just yeah it's it's just kind of a, a sour situation for for the consumer but not for the kid who is brand <laughs> new to the world and is like fuck yeah there's ten thousand pokemon now so like put it in my veins yeah i know but don't you want to feed your kids some umbertos and not some trash from the floor like oh yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 that's all i'm saying yeah i'm saying yeah. <laughs> that's where the grumpy old man part comes in you know that's that's all that is um, i i agree though i think it's it's fine it's fine that the, that it's this is the first thing, the first Pokemon thing that a kid might play and they might enjoy it. And that's fine. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so segue. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope your answer isn't Pokemon, but <laughs> what, what is the most nostalgic video game for you? Oh, um, probably, uh, it's probably a toss up between, man, actually, I don't know. Um, Mario 64 is up there for sure. We mentioned that before. Mm. Um, and Zelda Ocarina of Time, super nostalgic. Um, the minute that I put, this like ties into the music a little bit. The minute that I hear that um, intro music with the piano and um, you hear the horse's hoofs like as they go along that ridge, like I can see it so clearly on my mind. And then like, right. the, you know, the title fades in over like six seconds. It's like, I can, I can see it, man. So yeah, maybe, maybe it's Ocarina of Time for that because it's so so clear in my mind yeah um yeah. i think that might that might be a pretty common answer for, yeah. for our generation yeah um it's interesting as well that zelda has had you know it's 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 like had its ups and downs for sure that that series oh my god yeah well i'd love to do uh, a whole episode on zelda because yep. i don't get zelda i've i've, yep. I've played 
quite a few Zelda games and I've never finished one. I like, yeah. I get, you know, usually 10 hours in and I'm just like, why am I playing this? <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, fair enough. it's not, I'm, I'm not into it. And like, I can under, you know, I can understand why people are into it, but for me, it's a bit frustrating because it's the kind of game that on paper that I love, you know, it's like a completely original world with wacky, bizarre characters and like adventure hijinks and, you know, mm -hmm. on paper, it's, it's everything I should like, but I've just never come across a Zelda game where I'm like, this is fun to play. I want to see how the story unfolds, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think like, I think Zelda's probably a good example of a video game franchise that hasn't really relied on nostalgia that heavily, having not played, you know, all of the games to their completion. So maybe, maybe that isn't true, but from what I've seen, um, you know, the, yeah. the entries vary pretty, pretty wildly. Yeah. Look, there's, there's, um... There's similarities, right? Like you're a prince, you're, you know, you're Link and you got to rescue the princess. That's, that's it, right? Yeah. Rescue I mean, the princess, bing, bang, boom, you're done. Yeah. It's just what happens in between. It's like, that's, that's the bread. The bread is Link and the other part of the bread is Princess Zelda and uh, the meat inside the sandwich and the salad is all the cool stuff they throw in the middle. Like, yeah, I, I is it like Link Between Worlds and you've got like the painting and you can move between worlds. Like that's pretty novel and cool. Or is mm. it like, um... Uh, Ocarina of Time and it's all about like the time mechanics and you can become an adult and whoa that's kind of freaky or is it like Majora's Mask there's like 25 different masks in the game and they all have different puzzles and purposes and side stories and like I feel like Majora's Mask was the one of the only Zelda games to actually have a story like stories in there like quests right. that you can follow like Ocarina has some but they're so like oh man the witch needs a potion like that's kind of the extent of it <laughs> whereas Majora's Mask is like this person is aware of the fact they're going to die in three days and you know you need to like help them come to terms with that to that by you know delivering things for them or whatever yeah yeah there's a layer there that's quite nice yeah of, of all the the Zelda games I've seen I haven't played Majora's Mask but that one piqued Ooh. my interest the most because it's it just seems so weird like yeah. especially the way the game plays out and like you just play the same day but you yeah. do different things and see different stories unfold like as a storytelling device that's awesome that's so yeah. original like there are a few games where you where you just play the same day in the same place and you just have so many different options that there's a mm. whole, you know there's a whole game there waiting yeah. for you to kind of unlock before the day ends yeah, totally. Yeah, it's um, it's another one, like cool contender for speedrunners, right? Like, there's oh, yeah. such an optimized way to do things in that game um, that isn't immediately apparent. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, dude. It, maybe if we ever do a um, complimentary thing for people to consume alongside this podcast, we should have like a YouTube series where we play through Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be real fun. Um. So yeah, the, the Zelda for me. How about for you? Um, well, I I was gonna go a different route actually, and like mm. go for something nostalgic that was a bit more recent than when I was a kid. Um, but I think for me, one of the most nostalgic games is Tetris. So, oh. So like, in twenty 
2010 or 2011 in in Melbourne we just had this brutally hot summer and <laughs> and Joe and I lived together <laughs> and it was just this summer of tetris we yeah. we had this Nintendo 64 and I I imagine I assume it was yours <laughs> I can't yeah, remember yeah, it was mine <laughs> and, and we had this tetris game and like we would just put the air conditioning on we would have like uh, a laundry sink full of Coronas yeah. <laughs> and, and we just played Tetris all summer. And, uh... and like, it's the kind of game where it doesn't matter if you take, you know, a week gap, a month gap, a year gap. Like I just remember like the techniques we developed and, and how to play it. And whenever I hear that, like, you know, Russian, dancing songs it's like dun, 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 you know and yeah. like i'm just like oh my god that was such a good summer <laughs> like yeah. you know we didn't go outside at all we just yeah. stayed in playing tetris and it, yeah, yeah, yeah i just I, I think i'll just forever kind of love tetris for that for that time yeah that's an incredible memory i i remember it super fondly as well uh the um seem to remember just like getting out of bed one day and already you and Damo were like sitting in front of the TV, like battling Tetris, you know, like it's 10 a.m. <laughs> in the morning or something. And like the Tetris was already popping off. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the sink, the vision of the, um, the laundry sink full of Coronas is like, it, it felt like a bottomless hit of Coronas that would just like, would never run out. Like there's something that's super nostalgic about that, right? Where it's like a warped perception of the reality. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we did run out of, we did run out of Coronas eventually, but it felt like we would never run out. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, that's what I tried to think about when you, when you said, let's talk about nostalgia. Cause I thought about Tetris and then I thought about the Coronas and I was like, were we just not actually drinking that much? did they only last three days and we think they lasted three months? Yeah, like what yeah. is, what is going on with our interpretation of that memory? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, that we, we had a bunch of great, um, memes at that. Like when I look back on the dock at the memes, um, yeah. Playing super meat boy, like getting you into the video games through super meat boy again. Oh, that was man. fucking sick. The silky precision of the crab comes <laughs> up every now and then in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, it's uh, yeah. It was a good time. Yeah, well, like, I just had had a huge break from video games, you know? Like, I had a PS2 and, like, played Final Fantasy X. Yeah. And then I took, like, I don't know, a six-year break where I just didn't yeah. play any video games, and then you moved in. And, like, I think the, th the, the turning point for me was when you brought home Dead Space 2 and you were like... Yeah you know, I'm going to play this new video game. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'll watch you. And the opening for that game is incredible. And I was just <laughs> like, whoa, video games are like this now. This is amazing. And like, it just kickstarted my re-entry and, and like deep dive into the abyss of video games that I'd missed over the years. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Dark Space was one of those games where it came out of a time similar to a lot of uh it came out at a time when the intro like the first 10 minutes of, of playtime in the video game was super crucial mm. like they they really i mean people still do care about that a lot especially in mobile games these days but not fucking first... from software though no holy shit like i phoebe started playing and i, yeah. I i've been watching her dude 
first hour of that game is terrible. It, yeah, it doesn't like, make any sense. It gives you like 40 information screens every time you like pick up an item or yeah. click on a dude. Or I was just like, holy shit, you know, seeing yeah. this from an objective perspective, they do not give a shit about your experience. <laughs> no, they don't. And yeah. the, I was watching a, there was a video someone put up recently where like they were going into a, the first battle with Godric oh, and yeah. they had like equipped bow, and but they hadn't ever actually, you know, you know, clicked over to fully equip the bow. Mm-hmm. And so when they did that in the middle of the boss fight, Godric was about to hit them with a big hit mm. and they like tried to, they panicked obviously and they pressed their bow button and an information screen popped up and froze the game and told them about, <laughs> told them no. about how to use a bow. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Oh, God. It's way to ruin the entire moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's the death loop did that as well. I, I can't remember if I, I think I was telling you about death loop, but you never played it, but yeah, that game had a real bad case of the information screens. Mm. It's just such a clumsy, I mean, sometimes you've got to do it because there's no other way to tell the player, like, this is what you need to know um but yeah it's uh especially in death loop dude it was just like right before you're about to stealth kill someone you know like it's like i don't think it's like a super complex thing in first person shooters you like mm. turn the characters back to you and you have them whistling a tune or whatever you know like they they're unaware of you they tell you how to crouch that's all you need to know mm. we don't need to know you got to equip the knife and stab the medicine when the when the prompt shows up like yeah. prompt shows up and you know like yeah anyway like in in death loop as you approach the guy it's like stealth this is how stealth works and then you like ready your weapon and it's like you're holding your weapon <laughs> like get ready to stab and then you're like about to stab the guy and it's like stealth damage does more damage or whatever you know like <laughs> mega it's man, like three mega pop-ups man. yeah yeah exactly the mega man thing like, yeah. go away let me play the game yeah and yeah the elden ring does that a little bit as well for sure in the first hour it's just like info heavy yeah and i mean y- you know Phoebe was just like, I'm not reading any of this because I don't need it right now. Like, yeah. I'm just assuming that when I do need it, I'll be able to figure it out. And yep. it's just like, that, man, that's exactly right. Like, I, it's so weird when, you know, a game like Elden Ring comes out and they get so much right. And like, by right, I mean, they get it as right as you can possibly get it. And then there's just a bunch of kindergarten shit in there. And you're yeah. like, man, the polarity between what you've done well and what you've failed to do is extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah we got to go over that when we do our spoiler cast. Yeah, but um, the um, I, maybe a solution would be, for in, in Elden Ring's case, is... Um, is so in in place of the screen popping up and freezing the game and giving you information Mm. it has like a little ui icon down the bottom that's like an eye or something and a little bit of text saying you know bow and arrows and like it just fades away and then you know that if you go into the menu and find like the tutorial section or whatever you'll be able to find that pop-up that you know that will tell you about how bow and arrows work yeah well i wonder you know like what kind of testing or audience interaction stuff they did to decide to implement those screens because your other games don't have those screens. You know, the other games you start off and there's a bunch of messages that are like R1 is light attack, R2 is heavy attack. Yeah. Um, And you know, with the messages. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't even have to click those. You can just start the game and mash buttons and, and figure it out. But like, none of them tell you about like, um you know speaking to blacksmiths and upgrading weapons like you've just 
got to figure that out. Like you, yeah. you pick up a piece of Titanite and read the description and it's like, can be used to upgrade weapons. And you're like, Oh yeah. You know, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Like I, there I didn't, it is. I, I got to figure that out on my own and it was part of the gameplay that I read the item description. Like it yeah. didn't stop me from, you know, doing whatever I was doing to say this upgrades weapons when like, you know, in Elden Ring, you pick up the first, whatever it is, stone. <laughs> and, and it's like, you can use this to upgrade weapons and you're like, great. Yeah. So you go to upgrade it and you don't have enough. And it's yeah. just, it's just like, why, why did that screen exist? Like, yeah. why? Yeah. it just, yeah, I think it's very clunky. Super clunky. The, um, I was playing yesterday in the office. My boss was playing some Elden Ring on the PC at lunch and, oh, yeah. um, uh, he was like at a vendor and he was trying to buy something, but he didn't have enough runes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, just use some of your rune shards or, or whatever they're called. You know, the things that you crush. Like, yeah, soul yeah. Things. And he was like, he was like, what are those? And I'm like, uh, you probably got like 300 of them by now. You just haven't <laughs> used them. Yeah. And, and then he was like, oh, those things. I, I've been selling those. And I'm like, you've been, you've been selling? You sell, you sell those? <laughs> uh, yeah. So there you go. That's like a prime example of like, I don't, you don't get the same value from selling them, right? Like they sell for like hundred each or something, right? Uh, in previous games, in some of them, you actually do get the same value for selling them. Uh, but, maybe but I'm it, wrong. Maybe but it's it's obviously way less convenient because you yes. you get the same value by just using them wherever you are. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the case for Elden Ring. But yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, God bro just finish that game so we can rant about it because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i'm so keen to rant about it give me another 50 hours in four weeks and i'll be with you <laughs> yeah great yeah. oh dude oh well i wonder you know if in in 10 years we're going to be nostalgic for this podcast you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a way to round it out my guy uh, i i do want to go over next week uh you know what screw it we'll talk about it in the, in the doc and we'll figure it out but um, we touched on a bunch of stuff in this in this chat that I reckon is really good episode fodder for next week, just as a little, yeah, little, a taste. little tasty surprise. Yeah. Yeah, great. All right. Well, we'll we'll see y'all next time. It's almost the weekend. Ba bam. Bam. Bye. <laughs> Bye.